0: Welcome back to I Was Hornswoggled, waking up from a narcissist induced nightmare. I am your host, Harena. It is February 22nd, 2022. It is a very magical, famous day, apparently, across the interwebs. Everybody is jazzed that it is 2 22. <laughs> so, if you are enjoying the 2 2022 a day, then congratulations. It is a very unique day. So I also uh, wanted to let you know that this episode is a Van Diary episode, a follow up from my last episode and uh, for story time. So this is a Van Diary story time part two, where I met the person I had been doing Bible studies with for like three months and uh, we're I was going to be going to this church for the first time after I was invited by this this gentleman who was doing Bible studies with me. And then on top of that, um, it was also the time that my mom invited herself along for the ride, claiming that she has always wanted to go to that church because I would drive by it all the time. So therefore, when she found out that that's where I was going, because I was not on my game and didn't know who I was dealing with back then, I told her my plan. So, when I said that that's the church I was going to go to, she made this big fairy tale story around it. How she's driven by it forever. How when my dad was alive, he would never go, let her go to it. How she, but she always just felt drawn. She just always felt drawn to go to this church. And I was like, oh, well that's interesting because that's the exact same church that I had been doing just randomly out in the world, put out there that I was looking for Bible studies, randomly get that person from that church, got my call seven months later to do these Bible studies, and then show up, and then magically the church I'm invited to is the one that you've been wanting to go to forever, and you drive by every day and wanted to go to it. Oh, okay, sure. Likely story from you, little covert narcissist mother. So... I decided that the day had come and that I was going to go to this church and I just thought in my head, you know how you kind of plan out things in your head, whether it is to cut back on anxiety or just kind of give yourself a, um, a, a outline of what you expect, but you know, I try to teach my kids lower your expectations, increase your happiness and I teach them that for a reason now because I think a, one of our biggest problems in life is we place so many expectations on ourselves and others. We have no business doing that. We should just take things as they are and when they come instead of trying to, you know, pre-plan because then you always have emotions tied to those expectations, whether they're positive or negative, And that's just not a fun way to live. But at that time... I was just trying to feel it out because it was a new place for me. It was people I've never met before. It was um, going back to church. I had not been, I had not been. Um, my husband and I would go to this one church when we had first started dating that his family went to, but we never got involved in it. We never went to, um, to any of the functions. We would just show up with his family and, and do coffee hour or whatever afterwards. And then we would leave and go home and go about our business, live our life. And that was that. And then I went into more of a new age uh, realm, and that is another part of my life, obviously, but I went into a new age period of my life, and I would say through my 20s, and all the way up till probably my late 20s, I spent time um, in more of a new age atmosphere. So it was a big thing for me to crave that relationship um, on a spiritual level. And that's what led me back to being a follower of Jesus, where typically people scoff these days going, "Ooh, you're a Christian. Ew, hiss, hiss. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just my life. I'm not. Well, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm very blessed and I'm very happy. And I, w- I would love that um, healing for anybody. So if you're not a Christian and this is your first time listening, I respect your path. And, um, I hope that you give me the same time of day and respect that I would give you if we were to ever meet. I am not a judgmental individual, and, um, I hope you do not judge me either, because I would have judged myself during my new age path, so I've, I've lived, I've lived both sides of the tracks, so with that all being said, that is why I was going back to church. I felt thirsty. I was struggling with depression. My dad had passed. I had turned into an alcoholic and I just hit rock bottom in my life and I had to look up. And that's where, that's where we will find our relationship with God. A lot of the times when we hit rock bottom, we bounce off the bottom and he catches you. So it's a beautiful thing. And that's why we'll never apologize for it. And So I was uh, fast forward, getting ready to go to this church, trying to know that my mom was going to show up and I just, in my head pictured we're just going to walk in, we're going to sit down and we're going to just go to this church. Well, that was not what my experience was. My experience was we, I show up, she was already there. And I did not know this, but she had contacted her friend who she knew knew people that went to that church. Then they showed up together and then her friend went and found the gentleman that had been doing Bible studies with me and then prepped this whole entrance thing. So like I couldn't just slide in and slide out. Um, what happened was when I appeared, it was like a welcoming committee. Instead of me just being able to go in incognito, check the place out, check the vibe out. Cause you don't know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of churches that are creepy. They, they creep you out. The people are too creepy. A lot of judgment, a lot of like, um very hypocritical where they're like, love, 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 love. We love everybody, but not if you do this and not if you eat this and not if you wear this, but we love you. But, you know, their, their expectations of you supersede what they claim they are supposed to be. So I had no idea what I was walking my, you know, walking into. So I go, I get there and it's just all these people that they had set up to shake my hand and greet me. And I'm like, wow, so there goes my incognito. And I find out it was because my mom contacted her friend and then her friend turned it into this big, like this big thing. And I'm like, I know darn well that I literally told my mom what would bother me. And being that I did not know that she was a narcissist, I did not know that she would go out of her way to make this a miserable experience for me. I did not, I was not up on my game at that time. It was just par for the course. It was just secretly, I think in my heart of hearts, that's why I was telling her, please, when we go, don't do this, don't do this, don't talk about you all the time. Don't talk about me. Don't make this an us and a me thing. But you know, all I did, and this is one problem we do with narcissists, is we literally lay down all of the weapons and go, oh, if you want to hurt me, then do this. If you want to hurt me, then say this. And we don't even know because they're covert narcissists. They're hiding behind a mask our entire, the entire time that we're their target. So here I was, one of my biggest mistakes I ever made with my mom, not knowing that she was what she was, was giving her... The, the playbook on how to destroy me. And I had no idea. So when I said, please, when we show up to this church, please don't act like this. Please don't say these things. It's because I know through my decades of being with my mom, that she turns everything into a stage where her and whoever she throws up there to make herself look good are the people in it. And it is very nauseating if you are... In that type of an environment. So, especially if you're, I'm like a hybrid introvert extrovert. I'm very selective with who I rattle off to, but I can definitely rattle off. <laughs> so, when I first meet people, I'm not, hey, how's it going? My name is this, and I do that, day to day. Da. And I don't like just jump on stage. I like to hang out, be a wallflower, get my feel see what the dynamic is, read body language, read body, you know, expressions, stuff like that, and find out if this is a good fit for me. And I didn't get that opportunity. I got thrown right into the the goldfish bowl, everybody yammering and yammering and yammering, and my mom just immediately putting the spotlight on us like we were some amazing duo, and then she started telling everybody our story. Oh, I drove by this church every day. I drove by this church and and then my daughter, she requested Bible studies. And then these Bible studies came like after seven months. And then we ended up being able to go to the same church together because the person that invited her goes to the same church. And she like made this big, huge production. So, every time I would walk by my mom, throughout that first year, she was telling this story to everybody. And it would change a little bit here, and it would change a little bit there, and she wouldn't obviously even care. She would just, like, ro- like keep regurgitating the story. And I'm like, this is so nauseating. Here it is. Now we're this big, magical daughter-mother duo who landed. She had fan- made this big fan fairy tale about the entire experience, but what, from my view, what it really was, is I was at my bottom of my barrel, wanting more out of life, wanting a better connection with my creator, and then, after seven months of... (laughs) later of me putting out a bunch of Bible studies, I get a gentleman who went to a church near me. That's all I knew. She added all these layers onto it. And I should have known that this was going to be rough as it was. And I honestly, had I not already had a a relationship or a knowledge of the person or, you know, been doing these Bible studies, it would have been easy for me to just walk away and let her do her thing and I just go find a new place and, but I didn't and I couldn't because the way she cemented us in right off the bat made it nearly impossible for me to leave without looking like a jerk and without people coming after. Why, why, why did you not come back? Oh, your mom, you know, it's just, it was weird. So, as time went on, um, there are some things that my mom started doing. And the, keep in mind, this is my first time ever really going to church or doing anything with her as an adult. And I was in my 30s now, my mid to late 30s when I started going to this church. So, I'm with her, and now I notice. So, my husband starts going to the church, and my kids start going to the church, and it was fine, and everybody was friendly. And we really felt at home because we had never met a group of people that were so, like, happy and friendly and this and that at first. So, then I started noticing my mom would sit between my husband and I, like, when we would all sit in a pew, she would position herself to either always be sitting between my husband and I. So, it's like we were never allowed to sit next to each other. She would always insert herself right into the middle of us. And then I noticed that she would start to take my son who was like five at the time and he was really rambunctious and this church didn't send kids to like their Sunday school. They had all of the kids do their Sunday school before church and then all of the parents and the kids sit through the entire sermon. If you have ever had a young child and try to keep them quiet in a large room full of a large amount of people for an hour. It's nearly impossible. It's super stressful. It's super distracting. And good luck. Good luck trying to do that. But this is how they did it. And to me, it was really stressful. So church started to become like an anxiety thing for me. I knew that I had to go. I knew that my mom would make it a big performance. And then I knew that I would somehow try to have to keep both of my children entertained and quiet during an entire talk that they literally could care less about right and then we were a big distraction like we wouldn't be able to pay attention or understand anything and then my mom actually used that as a way for her to showcase her skills So she would pick my son up and go, oh, come here. Oh, come here. And she'd look around her like, does everybody see me picking up my grandson? And then she would start patting his back and rubbing his back. And he's five. And he's like, when she's, he was quite big, you know, you're a five-year-old and your grandma's picking you up as if you're an infant and laying you on her like in a sleepy hug style. And she was just eating up, like, look at me, look at me. She would never spend any of that, um, affection or tension on my daughter. Not once. She was always targeting my son with affection. Well, then fast forward to me walking in on like a sat like a, like a Sabbath Sunday school kind of a class before we even, you know, they had like a women's one. So when the kids were in the kids, the, adults had multiple ones they could pick to go to. And I was doing one on women in the Bible studies. And I remember my mom didn't know that I was even there that day. So she immediately went in there and, and I didn't, this is when I first started to catch on that there was something sneaky going on behind my back because she was... I walked down the hallway and I could hear my mom talking and I was like, what is she talking about? And the closer I got, I heard her talking about me and I heard her talking about how bad my son was and how he was a horrible behaving son and how I was having such a hard time with him and that she was the only one that could make, you know, could go in and make it better. And which was a load of crap. That was not true at all. My kids are not bad behaving kids. My my son is a five-year-old boy. What do you expect from a five-year-old boy? Little boys and little kids in general live in an entirely different world than we as adults are. They don't have all of the programming. They are allowed to be little kids. And they were never, I would say my kids were the best behaved ones during that hour than any of them were. Because they were at home with us all the time because we're a homeschool family. So they behave with us differently because they're with us day in and day out. Every minute of our lives, we get to spend together. So we are actually a more well-oiled Family, where we aren't re-having to acclimate to each other after a long day at work and then a long day at school and you have all that tiredness and emotions at the end of the day when your kids come home and they're super tired from their brains and their social, the social environment and everything going on at school and at work and then you guys meet at the same time at home and it can be kind of rocky. Well, we don't have that. We're pretty chill. (laughs) Like, we have a very chill routine and I like that but if you were listening to her just rattling off to these women and you know why she was doing it she didn't know that we were coming that day cuz I told her I didn't know if we were going to be able to make it so she and her head banked on oh she had a whole stage to just Badmouth me or whatever to these ladies that we would sit around every day and then once I caught on I walked in and she froze like she saw a ghost and I said oh well he and I stopped her right in her tracks and I said my son does not act like that I don't know who you're talking about but that's not how he is so and then the women looked so caught off guard because that's the one thing I thank God for, is that in the land of fight or flight, I'm not a flighter. I will tell the truth, and I will hold my ground, but you know what? I had to. That was my survival skills the entire time of surviving with my parents, was I had to stand my ground, or they would plow me over, but they used that to their own benefit. Where my sister is more of the flight person. She doesn't like confrontation. She withers under pressure. And we're, we are wired and we were trained differently. So, but I said to my mom in front of these ladies, I said that everything you just said, I heard down the hallway and it's all absolute nonsense. It's not even true. And she just was caught. And you know what she did? She goes, oh, oh, okay. Well, maybe I misunderstood. (laughs) She saw right then that I spoke in a monotone, straightforward voice. The women were really caught off, and it looked bad on her because she was dominating what was supposed to be a lesson on women in the Bible to a dish section by this woman who was, frankly, new to the church and just bad-mouthing her daughter and her grandson. And at that point in time, I started to really 2nd go back and comb through the relationships that I had and random things like I would have people walk up to me like women and that we do the same class with and go you really are a nice person and I thought I know I am but why are you telling me this and I would have people come up and say you know, your husband really is a nice person. And I'm like, yeah, that's why i married. him. like, what? You know, so when I would just have these random people come up to me and give me an affirmation and go, you know, your son and is very well behaved. I'm like, I know, like what well, I didn't understand why I would just have these random people come up and tell me that I was really nice or my husband was really nice. Once again, nobody ever said anything about my daughter. I should have known. Because, fast forward... I started noticing some people would come up and tell us, you know, you guys are really kind people or you're really nice and give us these affirmations while there were other people who we we used to talk to would give us the stink eye when they would see us. And I started to think, well, that's strange. And even the gentleman that I was doing Bible studies with for three months started giving me the stink eye. And you want to know why? Because my mom signed up for Bible studies once she found out that. I said, I really admire this individual that I find that it's really awesome because my dad never would ever talk about God, would never talk about anything of the heart, anything of your spirit, anything of your soul, nothing. And I, so I don't, I didn't know what that looked like to have a man be able to have these conversations without their ego getting in the way. So I told her that it was really refreshing that the gentleman that I was doing Bible studies with had that great rapport. And this gentleman didn't used to be that way. He was very rough around the edges and had, you know, been in, into drugs and alcohol and had his own baggage as being not a, the best father to his children. And now that he has turned his life around with the help of our creator, I it was a beautiful thing. And I remember telling my mom this and then all of a sudden I find out guys that she was doing these Bible studies on the down low and never told me. So what was she doing? She was taking, I willingly gave her my target. you know that saying where don't tell people where you, I don't even know where it came from, but don't let people get your goat. Why that came up, I'll have to do research on like why that was even a saying. But literally growing up, I must have showed my mom where my goat was the entire time. So she would just go and slaughter it every time. So I told her, this person is a great person. This person is a nice person. I really look up into this person. What does she do? She low key went behind my back then started doing Bible studies with this person and have, and if I know what I know now, she was bad-mouthing me to this person because then this person just started giving the stink guy out of the blue. Even my husband just started looking at him, giving him dirty looks. So fast forward again, I start, so there's a whole bunch of stuff I'll have to touch base on. Um, it's getting at, at that 20 minutes, 22 minute mark. So I'm going to have to try to wrap this up and maybe do a part three. Well, I will definitely have to do a part three. But right now, what you're going to realize when you're dealing with a narcissist who has been doing a smear campaign behind your back is to me, it's like a bottle of pop and you shake it up. And right now, at this point in the story, the bottle is starting to shake, right? The smear campaign is the shakedown. And then every person that would come to me and, like, start giving me glimpses of what was really going on, it was like the little bubbles rising to the top They gave me a little hint that something wasn't right, that something wasn't right. People don't just come up to you and, and tell you that you're a really good person, or you you know, you and your family are such a nice family. Like, it's almost like they felt sorry for us because they had been privy to what my mom was doing to us behind our back. But then there were the people who she really put her time in to turning the tails on us. And those were the, the and you know what, there were more people coming at us and, and giving us that affirmation that we were not sucky people. <laughs> And that our kids didn't suck. Um, but there were the the heartbreaking ones. Were the ones that you didn't even think were going to buy into what she was selling. And they're the ones that started giving us the side eye. And at this point, it was the gentleman that I did the sermons, uh, the Bible studies with. And it was the pastor. Because during this whole time now, we were studying to be baptized. And the pastor would come over to our house or my mom's house and we would do Bible studies as a group of four. Little did we know that he would arrive early and she would fill his ear with a bunch of nonsense. And I know this to be true because once my sister and I reconnected, she was there because she was living with my mom and she gave me an outlook on what was going on behind the scenes. And that is how I know this is all to be true. So this is not speculation. This is why I have, why I have such, um, Knowledge is the blessing that I got to see what was going on behind the scenes. So, not only was I getting those little red flags here and there, those little bubbles popping up to the surface, I got confirmation from people from the other side that I will tell you about in part three. So, I hope that this has shed some light on why I know what I know. What I uh, just, it doesn't seem like a lot. But if you have been a victim of a covert narcissist, you understand it is the death of a thousand cuts. So just this one story is just one story. When I have, this is a history of my mother doing this in so many different ways, you'll understand <laughs> that the death is by a thousand cuts. And if you're going through this right now, or if you are missing these tell, these telltale signs of the minute you share your your adoration for a person and then your narcissist buddies up to that person <laughs> you're going to have to watch out and in the romantic realm like i know a lot of my talk is about like a parental approach but even in the the romantic realm of things your narcissist in your relationship is going to be going around behind your back to family members and friends because what they like to do narcissists do the whole agenda of a smear campaign is to burn all of your bridges to lock you on this little island they go off and they burn down all of the bridges that get you back to the mainland and then when they have you isolated they, ca- they have you all to themselves and you will have no way back to the mainland to tell your story. They will have isolated you. So they will go to your mom behind your back and start trying to turn your mom against you. They'll try to turn your dad against you. They'll try to turn your BFF against you. They'll even go to the point of calling trying to turn your boss at work against you. They'll turn your coworkers against you. And then when they go in for the kill shot, you will go around to find your support system. and Your support system will not be there because they have strategically burnt every bridge, cut every thread, destroyed every relationship, planted enough seeds of doubt in all these people's heads that it is a waste of time to try to unwind the knots that they have wound tight. So that is the moral of this story. This is my experience, my one experience of how intricate they can be behind your back and how how deceitful and disgusting narcissists and covert narcissists can be behind your back when they are launching. A massive smear campaign against you so stay tuned for part three there is more to come I hope you have a great day I hope you're hanging in there hold your boundaries hold your line do not let them cross over do not let them pass do not feel guilty we are not put on this earth to make others happy we are put on this earth each of us have our own journey our own walk to walk and we are not here to be walking mats we are here to walk and not be walked on do not, do not give in. All right. You do not have to be a monster, but you, cause you don't want to turn into the monster that you were up against. You just have to be firm in your own convictions and you have to give back your power that was taken from you. All right. God bless. Have a great day. Bye. Oh yeah. You can go to hornswogglepodcast.com and hornswogglepod on Twitter. There you go. Have a great day. Bye.